following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Good morning, church. What a beautiful, beautiful song that is one of my favorites. Um, I hope you're doing well this morning. If you're new with us, I want to welcome you here. If you are not new with us, I want to welcome you back. Um, as we continue to look at the life, the story of Joseph in, in the later chapters of Genesis. So this morning, I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles with you, to turn with me And let's find our place in Genesis 39. While you're getting there, let me get us caught up for just a moment. Um, We are coming off of a kind of a a painful text. Last week, we left off in, in pain. We saw this family that was fracturing. We saw this family that was... um, with this jealousy and this bitterness that was just all over it, and we saw it beginning to fall apart. And um, we saw this on display as Joseph, who we're looking at, his older brothers decided to take him, to throw him into a pit, and they were debating whether or not they should kill him. As I said, this family was fracturing. And as the chapter ended, we see that his brothers decided not to straight up murder him. Instead, they decide to sell him for 20 lousy pieces of silver. Um, I guess better than murder, but you see the fracture. You see the fracture here. Uh, so as we see at the end of this, Joseph is then pulled up from the pit and is hauled off in chains. A terrible moment. And his brothers who concocted this idea run back to their dad, telling him, Dad, Dad, Joseph, he must have been taken out by animals. And so they give him his jacket back covered in blood. And our chapter ends just with mourning and sorrow as, as Jacob mourns over the loss. But the last verse of this last chapter in 37 ends with verse 6. It says, Meanwhile, meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. And as we pointed out last week, I love this word, meanwhile. I love this word, meanwhile, because it points us in the middle of crisis and pain and tears. It points us forward and says, There is hope in the midst of pain, meanwhile. Well, this morning we get to pick up the meanwhile. We get to jump right back in into that that meanwhile. So, um, chapter 39, we pick, I mean, right back up. If you look at it, it says, Now Joseph has been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian who had bought him from the Ishmaelites, had brought him down there. Um, Listen, God's word is economical. It doesn't waste words. So when we see all of these words being repeated for us again and again, and when we see these descriptors, it's important for us. It's important for us to see that our man Joseph, son of Jacob, the one who had been thrown into that pit, the one who had been sold, was now in Egypt. 
It's important for us to know that. It's also important for us to know that Joseph was placed in the house of the captain, Potiphar, the house of the Pharaoh. Scripture now has told us this twice. Whenever you repeat something or whenever you see something repeated, that's important. And so as we're going to see, I'm going to say this a lot as we work through Joseph's story because we see it a lot as we work through Joseph's story, but there, this was no accident. This was not simply chance. This was the divine providence of God. In fact, this morning, that's exactly what I want us to talk about is the providence of God. The providence of God. And right off the bat, as we continue in, um, as we prepare ourselves for this text, I want to talk a little bit about the providence of our God. And I want us to see and know three things, really, right up front before we get in. First of all, providence is not luck. It's not luck. It's not just about us having good or bad luck. Um, it's not that when th- good things start to happen to you that you say, whoo, living in the providence of God. Providence is not luck. So what is providence? Uh, I want us to think about it like this. So we've talked a lot about the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God is, is the fact that he has all authority, that he has the authority, the right to exercise all of that authority over all of creation. He rules, he governs, there is nothing out of his reach, there is nothing out of his control. That is the sovereignty of God. That is his sovereignty. Now, providence is very similar, but it's a little different. Providence is not just about the authority of our God. It is about the way our God exercises that authority. It is about how our God sustains and directs. I think of God's providence as the outworking of his sovereignty. I think about it as sovereignty, his sovereignty in action. That is the providence of God. His sovereignty in action. There's a definition. This is long. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it anyway, all right? There's a definition that might help. This comes from um, Dr. Wayne Gruden, and I think it's helpful. It says, we may define God's providence as follows. God is continually, continually, it's an important word, involved with all created things in such a way that he, number one, keeps them existing and maintaining the properties in which he created them. Number two, he cooperates with created things in every action, directing their distinctive property to cause them to act the way they do. And number three, he directs them to fulfill his purposes. So as we take this in, we see that he maintains, he works through, he directs. Let me just say this up front, that is far from luck. We're not talking about luck here. This is far from. This is the God's authority, his rule, his reign in action. So now let's consider Joseph. As we look at Joseph, let's look at where he is. Joseph did not find himself here by luck. This was not chance. This was providence. And in the same way, by the way, you do not find yourself where you are today by luck or chance. This is the providence of God. 
not luck. That's the first thing. The second thing I want us to see real quickly is that providence is not karma. Not karma. This sounds weird, I know, but the idea of karma is that when you do good things, you kind of shoot those good things up into the universe so that one day those good things are going to come back to you. That's, that's karma. Uh, or when you do some bad things, let's say you're a cheat, you steal, whatever you're doing, it's bad. You, you pump that bad energy up into the universe and then later that's gonna come down crashing on your head. That's the idea of karma. Um, that your actions will come back to you, that you will get what you give. That is, that is karma. Now, it's absolutely true that there are moments where you experience the products of terrible decisions or good decisions, that you do get what you get, right? That is absolutely true, not denying that. You see it all through your life. There are also moments when God will choose to do something in your life. We see this all through scripture, bless you because of your obedience. I'm not denying that. I am not arguing against that. We see that in scripture, but here's my point. That blessing doesn't always look the way you think it would doesn't always look the way we think it'll look. And and many times, this idea of karma just falls apart in light of the gospel. Um, The gospel's all about us getting what is unearned, undeserved. There's not a lot of room for karma in in the gospel. Uh, It falls apart just in practical life when trials and bad things happen to who we see as just really good people. I know I've seen this and experienced in my life. Or when you see blessings just fall from the heaven on people that you say, now that is a wicked dude, right? This idea of karma just falls apart. But the greatest example is Jesus, If you want to see any example where karma is just not there, it is the work in the person of Jesus who took my sin, my death, uh, he took the suffering that he did not earn or deserve, and then he gives me his righteousness that I do not earn or deserve. The gospel is no message of karma. In these moments, karma just doesn't explain this, and for us as Christians, this is bigger than karma. We can trust that what we are going through, through every trial, through every success, through every hill, through every valley, whatever it is that our God is sovereign, good, we can trust in his providence. And that providence is not luck, whether good luck or bad luck, and it's not karma, whether good karma, bad karma, it is bigger. The last thing I want us to see before we get rolling back in is that the providence of God does not always look the way we think it would look. It doesn't always look the way you think it's going to look. It doesn't always go the way you think it should go. Consider Joseph's story already. We have Joseph here, betrayed, tossed into a pit, sold by his brothers. And on the surface, we're thinking, you you know, you're tempted to think, well, where was God in that? Where on earth was his sovereign plan there? Where was God's providence there? Now, of course, we... We can't ever see the end of the story when we're in the story. Um, But all through this, we see the providence of God. But we're tempted to to think, well, where was it? 
This is what the providence of God looked like for Joseph. And it was nothing like he would have scripted. I mean, God takes Joseph and he places Joseph exactly where God wants Joseph to be. His hand was all over this so that Joseph would accomplish all that he had Joseph to do. This was the providence of our God. This was providence that, as we just read, Joseph was here and found his way to this officer. It was not luck. It was not chance. And it looked nothing like what you thought it would look like. But this was God's sovereign providence playing out in the life of Joseph. And the Lord's not done with him. Because listen to this in verse 2. It says, the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a successful man. He was a in the house of his Egyptian master. So Joseph here is being blessed, walking in favor, just success, right? And even though this was nothing like he had planned, we see him here walking in the favor of the Lord because look at, and it was obvious by the way, because look at verse three, his master saw it. His master said, there's something with this man. He's walking in the favor of God that the Lord had caused all that he did, scripture says, to succeed in his hands. His favor was obvious to all around him, and that's just incredible. But I want you to hear me. It was never about Joseph. The favor, the success was never about Joseph. Joseph was a part of a bigger plan and story that was much bigger than just Joseph. You can read this story, I think, and I think this is important for us to do. I think we can read this story in a very individualistic way. To read this and say, well, look at Joseph. Look at him. He's the man. He gets there. He starts going, succeeding. He's walking in favor. People are seeing it and feeling it all around him. Look at Joseph. He is the man. Look at how God's favor rests on him. And we can read this and think and start to ask ourselves, well, how do we do that? How do we walk in that kind of that kind of favor? How do we see that kind of providence of God in our life? These are not evil questions, but they're also not really what it's about. Joseph's story is not really all about Joseph. The favor of God, the providence of God, yes, we see it in his life, but it was not about Joseph. The favor of God did not terminate with Joseph in Joseph's story. Joseph walked in the favor of God because God was going to pour out his favor on his people through Joseph. It was not just about Joseph. And it's not just about you. Joseph was a part of a bigger story, the story that will continue to unfold. And as we continue to look at Joseph, we're going to bring this out, that, that, that when we zoom in too much on ourselves individually, we can't see the full picture. We can't see the bigger picture. Joseph was shown the favor of God so that in God's providence, Joseph would then be used to bless his people it was not all about Joseph. Joseph was saved by God so that he could be right where he needed to be, right in the right place, right in the right time to offer salvation to his people. This was not all about Joseph. Sure, Joseph's story is an incredible story just on an individual level. Sure, we want to walk in the favor of our God, not saying anything against those things, but it is bigger than that. It's bigger than just us as individuals. Um, 
in God's providence, he wants to use you in the lives of other people. So that you can bring the gospel, so that you can bring the blessing of God with you. I, I want us to do a thought experiment for just a minute. Um, I want you to imagine with me something happens. I want you to imagine with me that you get a promotion. Big one. One you've been waiting on, right? You get a promotion at work. What if that promotion at, that you got at work was not about you at all? What if you got this promotion and we're tempted to, not tempted, but it's good. We thank God for it. We're thinking, wow, God, you must be really working in me and working through me. What if, church, that that promotion you got was not all about you at all? What if that raise wasn't just about God blessing you, but what if it was God's way of getting you in a position that he could bless others through you? What if that promotion, as wonderful as it was, wasn't just about God blessing you, but more about God positioning you to be a blessing? I mean, think about it. I mean, would God do something like that? Would God really bless you, give you the promotion, put you in that place just so that you can bless someone else? Yes, he would. Yes, he does. Yes, he has. Because it's bigger than you. When we are able to try to zoom out from ourselves, church, and understand the sovereignty, the providence of our God, when we are able to do that, then we can understand that our lives are not our own. That we are a part of a bigger and more wonderful story. That we can begin to see that true joy when we are simply able to trust in the providence of our God, that we are blessed to blessed, that we are forgiven to forgive, that we are shown grace to be gracious, and we are given breath in our lungs to be a part of God's big and incredible story that does not revolve around you. That will change everything. And as part of God's story, now God shows Joseph favor. He says in verse four, so Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him, it's Joseph, overseer of his house, put everything in, in charge, it put him in charge of everything that he had. Verse five, from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and in field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. <laughs> Things are starting to look up. Joseph's being promoted. It was successful. He was getting the favor of those he worked for. Things were smooth until they weren't. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. That got him into some trouble, verse 7. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. 
But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. He's put me, put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than, than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her or lie beside her or um, be with her. This is a moment of truth, a moment of testing for Joseph. Reminds me of God's words to Cain in Genesis 4 that says sin is crouching at that door. It wants Its desire is contrary to you, and it wants to kill you. You must rule over it. This was a moment of truth and testing for Joseph, and in this moment, Joseph says no. He would not betray his master, but even more than that, look at his words. He says, how could I do this to my God? How could I do this great wickedness and sin against God? But unfortunately, this Egyptian girl here was persistent. Verse 11, but one day he went to the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were there in the house. So it was the opportune time and she tried to act. This is how sin operates, by the way. It it lurks in the darkness and it waits until the moment when we are vulnerable and alone. And when the time is right, it strikes. Well, here, the time is right. He was alone. They were alone and she strikes. Verse 12, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But his left, he left his garment in his hand, in her hand and fled. He got out of there. Get out. You get the sense he did not waste any time. He dropped everything, including his garment, and got out of there. But this kind of rejection doesn't sit real well with Potiphar's wife. Verse 13, as soon as she saw what... um, that he had left his garment in her hand and fled out of the house. She called the men of her household and said to them, see, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came to me to lie with me and I cried out with a loud voice and as soon as he heard it, that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garments beside me and fled and got out of the house. See, a story was being created, another lie was being hatched Then she laid up his garment by her until the master came home. She told him the same story, saying, look who you brought into our house. Who have you brought among us? Um, He came to me to laugh at me, but as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. And as soon as the master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, that this is the way, he says, that your servant treated me and his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and here we go again, put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined and he was there in prison. Church, listen to this though, verse 21. This might sound a little familiar, but the Lord was with Joseph, showed him steadfast love, gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. 
Now, we are talking here about the sovereignty of our God, and we are talking about specifically the way his sovereignty works out in our lives. We are talking about the providence of our God. We began this morning with a short thought experiment where we imagined that things worked out positively. When you were blessed and promoted, things worked out well, and you see success like Joseph did in the house of Potiphar. Sometimes in, in these moments, it's easy to say, whew, look at the providence of God. It's all over me. It's favor and look at it all. But what about now, church? What about now? What about this when he was lied about? What about this when he was falsely accused? What about this when he was falsely put in prison? What about now? Is that the providence of God? Without hesitation, church, yes, yes, it is. I, uh, like I said at the beginning, providence is not luck. In fact, this looks a lot like bad luck. Um, providence is not karma. In fact, it looks like Joseph's faithfulness and has led to incarceration. That, that doesn't feel right. We also said providence doesn't look like the way we think it's going to look. I mean, just think of this for Joseph. From pit to prison, from being betrayed by his brothers to now being lied about by Potiphar's wife. This, providence? Yes. As we will see, God is getting him where he needs to be. I want you to hear me here. God did not need Joseph in Potiphar's house as good as that would have been for Joseph. God did not need Joseph in Potiphar's house. God needed to get Joseph to Pharaoh's house. Now, he didn't know that in the moment. How could he have? But this was not ultimately for or about Joseph. The blessing of God didn't terminate on Joseph. No, this was about God getting Joseph right where he needed to be to be a blessing and to save his people. This was bigger than Joseph. I asked earlier, what if the promotion you got at work was not all about you? What if the promotion, the raise, the recognition was not all about you? What if it was God's way of getting you to where he wants you to be a blessing? Well, I think Joseph's story invites us to ask the inverse of that question. So let's do a second thought experiment here. What if the demotion you got? What if the news you got? What if... The loss of your job, the severance package, the firing, what if that was not about you at all? What if that was just God's way of getting you right where he wants you to be so that he can bless other people through you? This is just one example, this whole promotion, demotion thing. But providence is so much bigger than good luck or karma. And praise God, God's providence is bigger than you. It's bigger than, you're a part of a bigger story. And all of your ups and downs are part of this unfolding story of which you are a part. Do you trust this? Do you trust God in this? Do you trust the sovereignty and the providence of God when things are good and not good, through the promotion and the demotion? 
Your life is not a series of accidents or chaos or chances or luck or karma. It is bigger than that. You are a part of a story that is much bigger than you are. You are a part of a story that is grand and beautiful. Joseph's life, it has been an absolute roller coaster, and we're only on week two, three, right? I, I lose track. But from the heights of a father's love, from the heights of the good life at home, to the depths of betrayal, to the depths of the pit, then right back up to the heights of Potiphar's house, to the heights of favor and success, to the depths of yet another betrayal, to the depths of incarceration, up, down, up, down. And now listen to this, verse 22, the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Does that sound familiar? Does this sound familiar? Again, this is God working in and through Joseph. Spoiler alert as well. This is not the end of Joseph's ups and downs. We got more roller coaster to come. This is not the ends of his ups and downs. And by the way, it's not the end of your ups and downs either. Yet again, though, God, we see him positioning Joseph right where he needs to be. Yet again, we see Joseph, God's providence in his life. And listen, I want to encourage you with something this morning. Um, I want to encourage you, not by telling you that everything in your life is awesome, uh, not by telling you that God wants everything in your life to be awesome, not by telling you that it's God's plan for you to be happy and to be healthy and to be wealthy, not by telling you that the Christian life is all about God's desire to see you climb that corporate ladder to see you grow in your influence and grow in the zeros of your bank account. This message is all too prevalent these days. The problem with it is one, it's not true, but then two, life is bigger than you. That is a puny version of our gospel. Life is bigger than you. This is why in history, we see loads of people and loads of stories of people getting everything they want and then coming to it feeling empty. Why? Why is that? Because a life, life is so small when it's centered around you. It's so small when it's centered around your fulfillment. And we think like, it's just right ahead. When I get this, when I get there, when I get that. But it's not. I can confidently say that it is not because you were made for more than that. I want to encourage you this morning, not by telling you any of that, but I want to encourage you this morning by telling you that life is not about you. I know you're like, well, pastor, that, that stinks as an encouragement. No, it doesn't. Life is bigger than you. Your life is bigger than you. Your fulfillment in life is possible, but it's just not found in you. Fulfillment in life is found only in trust and faith in the sovereignty and provision of our God. 
I want to encourage you by telling you that your God is sovereign and he is good and that providence, his providence is all over your life. That's what I want to encourage you with. And it does not look like luck. It does not look like karma. It is about the sovereign plan of God in action so that through the most difficult trial and testing, when life is turned upside down, we as God's people, by the grace of our God, when we understand the providence and the sovereignty of our God, we are able to say in that moment that I see and I feel the presence and the providence of God. Through the trial, through the storm, through the good, through the difficult. This is how big and how good it is. This is how you can face the promotion with grace. This is how you can face the demotion with grace. This is how you can navigate the ups and the downs through faith. This is the gospel. This is what it means to follow Jesus. This is what it means to know him. To know that he is Lord is to trust in our Lord's providence. The good news, church, with this, and and this is really good news, um, is that he is trustworthy and can be trusted. That's, he is faithful and he is good. And so I want to end our time together just doing kind of an inventory with you. Um, I'd like for you to just kind of take an inventory right now of your life. Um, think about where you are, the good, the bad, the ugly, the ups, downs, where you are right now. Not where you want to be, but right where you are. Look your reality as much as you can in the eye, right here, right now, in this moment. Your God has not made a mistake with any of that. It is his sovereignty, meaning he has the authority to call the shots, and it is his providence, meaning he is calling the shots, that through it all you are held, you are not alone, that through it all life is bigger than you. You have, I want you to know, as you just did that inventory, you have no idea the impact that your life is making on others. You have no idea how your life and your story are a part of the bigger story of God. You have no idea. You couldn't know. I mean, do you think Joseph had any idea what was coming? No. How could he have? He couldn't have planned this, uh, but God was at work through it all. So I want to, as you think about your reality right now, is to know that God is sovereign and good, and also simultaneously that you have no idea how you fit into this bigger story. And in that process, you trust that he is good and sovereign, and you trust in his providence. So as you took that inventory, I want you to, I don't know how you do this, but look yourself in the face. It's probably a mental thing that you're going to have to do there. Um, Look yourself in the face. Say to yourself that my life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. My story is not my own. My things are not my own. I have been bought with a price and I have been brought into a bigger story. And although 
You can't see the whole story, your God does. And because of that, after taking an inventory of your life, no matter where you are, no matter who you are, no matter what is going on in your life, you can trust in the providence of God. Let Joseph's story be a reminder for you this morning that through highs and lows, through promotions and demotions, through ups, downs, hills, valleys, through it all, wherever you are, that you can trust in the providence of God. Let me pray for us this morning. Lord, we have just looked at a very difficult, very difficult story, a very difficult thing for us to wrap our minds around. We've just looked at a story that honestly pushes against us. We've looked at a story that as we read it, we say yay and amen, but as we live it, it is far more difficult. We have just looked at a story that calls us to, regardless of the circumstances and situation, we just read a story that calls us to look up and to trust in the midst of it all. Lord, I I want to right now, just as, as your people just come to you in confession that too often we make this life about us. We make this life about our fulfillment, about what we need and what we want. And Lord, we even bring that into the church and we want to make this church what we need, what we want. And, it, and we can fall into this trap of thinking that you exist for our glory when the truth is in scripture is exactly the opposite that we exist Lord for your glory so forgive us Lord when we are seeking the wrong things thinking that when we get them we will be fulfilled I pray that you help us to identify in our hearts where we are doing that where we are chasing things that will never bring peace happiness or fulfillment would you show those things to us now through your spirit and we confess them to you and as we confess those things to you Lord we are reminded of just how good just how sovereign you are we are reminded of your providence in our life that you have not created us and left us to figure it out and fend for ourselves, but Lord, you created us and you sustain us and you work in us and you work through us and you are working in us today through what we are going through. So Lord, um, we need your help. Would you help us to see this and, and regardless of where we are today, whether it be the heights or the lows, whether it be the promotion or the demotion, wherever we find ourselves. Lord, would you help us right now to be able to have your perspective through your spirit? Would you give us that, the perspective to just trust you and say, whatever comes, bless be the Lord. Would you help us to do that this morning? Through your power and for your glory, And in the name of Jesus, we pray.